0: Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome back to what I'm considering a very special edition of the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, we are joined by Esmar Mesic. I always try, I hope I got it right. The head of product at trueprofile.io. Esmar, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing?
1: Thanks for having me, Michael. feeling great. I'm here in Bangkok with my team. And you got it right, it's actually Mesic, which is super hard to pronounce for American speakers. So- um.
0: <laughs> I do the best. <laughs> Thanks I can. for having
1: me, buddy thank you no you rock thanks for having me it is my pleasure
0: before we get into the main part of this conversation can we get a little bit of your background for some context
1: well uh, i pretty much spent my whole life building products since kind of um uh, we had a chance to 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 meet very briefly yep. uh, and people are, are kind of wondering where i'm coming from and and, and whatnot so actually i was born in a, in the country which doesn't exist anymore which is Yugoslavia. I was born in 1986, and then the country was uh, being torn apart uh, in the war in the uh, early 90s. Yeah, uh, But um, I'm originally from Bosnia, which is a, a very uh, awesome uh, small country in the central to, to south part of Europe. And actually, after my degree in electrical engineering, and, and remember back then, I mean, we didn't have a chance to study computer science and whatnot. I had a chance to actually start to work in one small home company where we we're building products and um I kind of didn't didn't want it to end up in an engineering world because um, I never kind of find myself like a geek guy or someone who loves to do things like that. I was yeah. more a people person, yeah. someone who likes uh, to speak, someone who likes to present, someone who uh, kind of uh, loves psychology, love to understand why people are behaving like they do. And um, I guess throughout my other interests, interests, I, I, I ended up in a, in a product development and this is what I'm doing right now. I mean, um, now to be honest, I'm super happy because product as a discipline uh, is giving you a lot of uh, uh, different angles on different things. So you have their product design, which is already awesome. You're going to build the journeys for the people who eventually they're going to use your product or your app. You have a marketing, which is another way of of expressing yourself. Um, And then you have this creation part where people sit down and code, right? Which is also a bit complex, uh, where you need to understand uh, um, scalability, real ability, and all of these things, which uh, today's uh, product needs to have.
0: Do you have memories of, I don't even know what to call it, right? So again, tell me if I get this wrong, but do you have memories of like pre independence? You know, you're born in 1986, which. To you might feel like a long time ago, but the older you get, the less far away it seems in a really sort of paradoxical way. But do you have memories of like...
1: So the only memory which I have, of course, was um, our parents uh, moving right. in a nice apartment. Of course, Yugoslavia was a communist country back then. Yep. And my dad was uh, run, running a factory, uh, coal factory back home. Wow. So we had a chance, we actually were being given a flat uh, in a town and i remember moving there it was everything was super new everything was uh everything smells very nice but in the end of the day uh i guess very quickly maybe half a half a year down the line i remember uh myself standing on the balcony and hearing the gunshots uh, that's actually when the war started right so right. um and that was uh that was uh that was my um, Early memory on that one, and actually, I started to go to school in a basement. That's that was also a very funny part. Uh, <laughs> funny, because uh, <laughs> I kind of—I mean, it is because other other kids uh, had a chance to um, uh, to start to go to school properly, but since the war broke out, right, uh, that was the only way to do
0: it. How much information do you have about what was going on in other countries? Do you know what I mean? Like, were you able to see like yeah, we live like this, but other people live like that kind of thing?
1: I don't remember, actually, uh, but someone brought a satellite dish at some point, so we started to watch German channels a lot. Fair enough. (laughs) It was very funny. And uh, we didn't, of course, have that amount of the information, but we had a chance, of course, to uh, mainly watch the TV, because uh, the local newspapers will give you what's happening locally or around the country, but, um, and and plus was, like let's say, um, NBA uh, matches or recordings of, of the NBA matches, which we used to watch on vhs uh specifically um uh, bulls versus uh jazz uh, these <laughs> these years and whatnot so that was pretty funny
0: <laughs> did you really watch those nba games
1: yeah of course pre-recorded ones and for you it's almost like a live game you you, you don't yeah. know i mean what, what's gonna happen because you don't know the result of it right, right so right, right. some the older older folks might might tell you that Like uh, uh, Jordan won, uh, Bulls won the game. So yeah.
0: (laughs) When did you finally move out of the country and where did you go first?
1: So um, actually I stayed there. I um, get my uh, master's degree uh, in uh, electrical engineering and uh, I knew my first job over there. But uh, the first kind of a bigger openings for me happened when uh, bigger chances in the career actually happened when I joined a a company uh, called at that time, Nokia CMS Networks. Oh, wow. Uh, They were actually the biggest uh, telco joint venture at that time. What year was that? 12 years ago or 13 years ago, 2010, I I would say. Okay. Again, the benefit of that was um, working with with probably the the biggest telco company at, at that time in the whole world world and this is why this joint venture happened right but it was an unhappy marriage between Nokia and Simmons because Simmons is a technology company they want to innovate they want to grow and this is actually when they pull out from the deal and Nokia was a heavily sales driven company so whenever you marry these two different worlds and actually I'm reading a lot these days is your company product or innovation led or um, is it um, sales led? And it depends. Someone prefers more sales than, than product led anyway. Uh, this didn't end up well because um, after just uh, two years being there, I was laid off. Why? Uh, it's because I used to work in a apparently unprofitable product line, which was um, at that time fixed line and fixed broadband uh, DSL networks and whatnot. Of course, everyone was moving in the mobile world these days, but um, to be honest, looking from uh, this point of view and people talks a lot these days about tech layoffs. I mean, to me that happened uh, as I said, all the said uh, 12 years ago. It's all the time. And it happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, it was honestly one of the best things that happened to me because uh, I had a chance to explore other worlds, other industries, not just to be tied with telco. Right. And um, I'm so happy that happened to me.
0: <laughs> it's weird, right, to celebrate getting laid off. I was laid off too at the end of my career and I could not be happier. As a matter of fact, when they did it, I I smiled, and the guy was like, "We just laid you off." And I was like, "Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Can I go home now?" Like it was so, and because everything else had opened up, become it. But here's the other thing, and I'm curious if Mm -hmm. you felt the same way, or even in retrospect, if you did. Do you feel like you learned so much by being in that environment, particularly back then with Nokia and Siemens, being part of a joint venture where it wasn't really well liked on both sides, being in two different types of companies? And learning about a bunch of things maybe that you didn't know beforehand that now you can drive into what you're doing today. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, totally, because uh, I had a chance to, first of all, learn um, corporate politics on uh, such a high level. Yeah. Uh, I used to learn learn how to uh, drive bigger projects because, uh, let's be honest, if you're working in a, in a smaller companies, the scale of the projects are, let's say, to certain millions of dollars, right? right. But uh, this was a huge thing, and um, I wanted to work on something huge. But then what happened is that um, when you were kind of at some point sick of big companies and that's what I'm doing uh, apparently so far, I have always ups and downs, right. Sometimes I want to go to work for a big company and um, everything is so big, things are moving so slow then I said, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go to the startup. Then in the startup you face with uncertainties, then you face with something which you cannot deliver. Right. Then um, there is no money and uh, runway just uh, is empty for you in the next couple of, of months. So it's kind of uh, on and off, if you know what I mean. Uh, but a lot of learnings. If I need to do that, I'm not sure how, how, how. I mean, how you felt. What was your key takeaway from that? But for me, it was uh, definitely prepare me for for uh, stuff in the future.
0: Uh, let me share something with you because it's a really good point. One of my buddies, and this was when I was working at Deutsche Bank for a short period of time, was just this incredible technologist, just incredible. And it was kind of right at the beginning at least in the U S of when startups were starting to become part of the social conversation. Right. And I asked him, I said, dude, you're so good at this. Why don't you just go out and build your own company? And he said, I could do that. But great technologists like to solve big problems and big banks have so many yeah. big problems. They're almost unending. They don't run out. That's true. And it changed the way I thought about the way technologists look at it. Cause for me, I just thought, don't you just want to go build the stuff you want to build? Because I didn't know back then that the constraints on small companies are the things that keep people at big companies and the politics inside the big companies are the things that throw them (laughs) out into smaller companies. that makes sense? Exactly,
1: yeah, that's true, totally, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I was happy to learn that as a 30 something year old and I think about that all the time now, right? And I I can't get out of my mind when I meet technologists but you said something else really interesting earlier. You said, I'm super interested in people and in psychology Mm -hmm. and the way people act but you got a master's degree in electrical engineering did you do yeah, that yeah. because, no, but it's super interesting, right? And obviously being an E and having a master's degree in E is super useful, but are people sometimes per- surprised when they meet you, a guy that has a master's degree in electrical engineering, which seems like something, seems, yeah, like something that's super dry, mm-hmm. just how mm-hmm, thoughtful you mm-hmm. are and how interested you are in the psychology of humans and how they react to changes and stuff like that. Are people surprised?
1: That's true because uh, they will usually expect someone um uh, uh, purely techie guy or someone who will come and uh, maybe get them bored with a lot of tech details right but yeah. um again I, I don't know maybe it's it's something that uh, i brought it from my family from a house because uh, my my granddad was uh, was a person who uh, used to work in a, in a hospital um yeah. and he was very polite with everyone uh, my mom did the same um and maybe that's something which you brought brought from, from home There's this interest in people right yeah. general general interest in people um what i learned throughout the years is that i'm trying to i'm trying to listen more because um i used to think that speaking more is is a cool which uh isn't to be honest uh, it's other way around so i'm trying a very small amount in very big years i mean wh- why why people because uh, just just sitting there and, and watching um what triggers them why they react why they react uh, why someone might be pissed off on someone and um uh, kind of this this deeper level i generally um it because at some point i was also trying to discover myself because right. uh, at age 25 when i when i was laid off i didn't know uh, who am i what I know to do very well. Right. Uh, what would be what would be my next move? So I try kind of to ask myself these questions: What are you good at? What are you bad at? Where do you need to improve? And honestly, it helped me a lot because uh, it's better to ask yourself, I guess, these questions before than later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I'm spending my free time reading a lot about this. I have an even favorite scholars. It's Doctor. Uh, Paul Bloom from uh, from Yale University. Yeah. A warm recommendation to check his Intro to Psychology course. We're writing it
0: down right now. <laughs> Go ahead. From
1: Coursera, it's really awesome. Really. And actually, the the um, the whole scope of the psychology how he's starting uh, explaining the brain how we react with something then um, explaining the relationship within yourself and between your family your your kins then your um, um, your wife even so it, it it's, it's awesome honestly foreign recommendation
0: I need to ask you this because I love this saying and I actually may make this the title of this episode which I don't normally say so early into most of my episodes I want to make sure I get this right a very small mouth very big ears. Mm-hmm. is this a lit- is this a literal translation of something that's like culturally said to you in your home country or is it just something you made up do you know what i mean
1: in my home country it's the opposite i mean but i guess it's not just in my country but people tend to have a superficial conversation so they think yeah. actually they're buddies with someone right especially over the beer and um yeah. and i guess a lot of valid communication or something useful between uh, two two persons get lost because uh, no one listens right right and um, uh, since I'm really interested also in, in, in venture capitalists, in angel, angel investments, usually you can jump quickly by listening to startups, how they can, let's say, try to do something and you might act smart, but eventually you're just going to make a mistake telling them what to do. So right. I tend, tend to be a, a wise person, try to sit, try to hear and not try to jump to, to the conclusion and just say something to, to be smart, right? right? Again, I'm trying to, to teach myself uh, to do that because uh, it's, it's kind of making me, um, I guess, a, a better person, better leader in my positions. And and yeah. eventually you can learn way more than just speaking out. Because when we speak, Michael, right, we just say what, what we know. And uh, I'm just right now repeating all of my memory and retrieving what I literally learned so far. But if I just... Uh, shut up a bit and keep quiet. For many times I've learned something from you, right? That's the beauty of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I say this often, but when I do these recordings, it's something like 70% guess, 30% me. And most of that is because I feel like I'm learning something from you. And I feel like if and, I yeah. keep my mouth shut, I can learn more than if I pontificate. That's just the way I feel about it. <laughs> I want to ask you this too. You know, you had this experience of being laid off when you were 25 and it made you not even reconsider, but just think about like, who am I, who am I not? What do I want to be? What do I not want to be? And this interest in psychology, and if you tie all these things together a little bit, and I don't think a lot of people equate this with technology companies, but one of the things you talked about at the presentation that you gave in Vietnam at the Mm -hmm. NFQ Summit was the growth hacking. And I don't think you can get away from the psychology of Mm -hmm. humans and growth hacking. Like I think those two things go together. And I'm curious if you can tie together for me how the tech side of you translates the psychology interest you have into the growth hacking. Does that make sense? Totally.
1: Well, um, growth hacking definitely uh, at some point is a vital part of any product growth. As I said, um, we as a person and as a company, which is just uh, nothing but a group of uh, people, everyone wants to grow. I mean, uh, it's kind of the nature of the people. The good thing about uh, human psychology is uh, um, and there again, there is also a good book by Nir Eil, uh, Hooked. It's called Hooked. Um, he, he is explaining how um, uh, digital products are trying to hook people, but it's uh, these days might be debatable because uh, of the way how, how far products went in terms of uh, exploring uh, human faults, human right. brain faults. And um, definitely, very famous examples of growth hacking, and increasing of retention rates, uh, of using, uh, let's say, mobile apps like Pinterest, did with infinite scroll, Facebook uh, having this buzz on the comments and likes and whatnot, um, TikTok with these videos, which are uh, keeping your 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 attention. Um, uh, pretty much all the time. I mean, it's not just just that in a, in a bad way. It, of course, it was very beneficial to the companies who did that. But um, from again using the app or promoting the app, it's like old school way of of, of doing things in in some some manner. Because if you just think the product uh, who you want to launch in in a, in a supermarket, right? You need to think about the design or the packaging. You need to think about of the, of the label of it. Uh, you need to think about the price. You need to think about the placement. Is it uh, on the shelves, uh, which when you're just entering in the store, somewhere behind, um, maybe a delivery to the stores. And I'm trying to also... I think from that point of view in terms of how digital products are being met, the ones which we have, coming back to the topic, how actually these human interactions with products can can be uh, helpful for your growth, right? So you literally see how they're using, and uh, if they don't like it, you try to improve it and, and come at them.
0: I don't know when this happened to me, but it must have been like 10 years ago. I was mucking around on YouTube, and I ran into this thing called Everything is a Remix by this guy named Kirby Ferguson and i mm-hmm. want to connect this to what you're talking about in growth hacking because i don't think this is new right in other words if you think it's about not, yeah. yeah if you think about offline businesses you know having a salad bar where you can have as much as you want is a growth hack right because it says exactly it says i'll bring you in and then you'll order a really expensive steak and i can charge you whatever i want for the steak because you feel like the salad is free kind of thing right or all yeah, you can yeah. drink or ladies night or any of these things these are all growth hacks but technology then mm-hmm. lets you do it at scale right and that's true yeah but here's the other thing and i'm really curious about your opinion on this we talked about this a little bit at the at the um at the summit but maybe you can expand on this a little bit more and that is putting a salad bar in takes a ton of time it's physical capex and you don't know if it's going to work or not and if it doesn't work and people think there's going to be a salad bar there all the time you got to remove it as well but in technology And you can't have a salad bar and not have a salad bar at the same time unless you have two outlets that are right next to each other. But tech allows us to do growth hacking in a way where testing and iteration becomes so much easier at scale. Mm -hmm. Walk me through why that matters so much.
1: Um, In my, again, personal view is uh, everything should be experiment right and everything you should compare um a b kind of right and you because you never know what's going to work what we tend to do or the teams which um, i'm working with is um we are, we are not calling these like a list of the features or whatever we want to develop uh, product wise it's more like it's experiment uh if we can test it it will be out and um We're trying kind of more to, um, as you said, on the scale, right? That's that's super important because um, there are tools these days which kind of allows you even without a, a significant amount of time to spend to develop something to quickly check what's better, right? And in my own view, we should have a solid bar. Um, We should have it because, again, you don't know, will will it work or not? I'm always there to try. And that's why I'm encouraging my team. And especially uh, the the cost of trying in in today's world, in tech's world, uh, specifically having tools, which are, let's say, often your uh, freemium options and you can use them for a couple of days are also uh, very convenient, right? And um, why not? And the, the most important thing, during this is, is actually a learning curve, right? That's that's what you, what we're trying to do here.
0: But there are a couple of things here that are really important, right? In other words, at least in my upbringing, and I'm a generation ahead of you, right? It was difficult to convince people to take a risk. And particularly if you joined a large organization, you know, they used to have these commercials. Yeah, but they used to have these commercials on TV, Asmar, when I was a kid that said, like, it was an AT&T commercial. and said, nobody ever got fired for hiring AT&T. That's how they started competing with some of these other new phone companies because... Okay. You may not get anything new and innovative, but you weren't going to get something that didn't work kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you encourage people to feel like it's okay to fail? Because when they fail, they fail at scale too. Right. And yet if they learn something from that's that. That's true. Yeah. How do you, how do you encourage people to do that on your teams, but just in general, because that's hard, no?
1: That's the hardest part. So the reason why we're here actually in Bangkok is, uh, I wanted for the first time that team feels that we are, Collaborating together and and having a co-creation of the future things on the roadmap for the next year, which we want to build.
0: Collaborating with?
1: With um, my team in True Profile here Ah, in Bangkok. And uh, this is for the first time where actually we are bringing a team fully in in, in roadmap development. And uh, you can see that it's about the cultures, I guess, and uh, where people natively comes from because uh, still in some cultures, even back home, if you fail, you kind of... um, you fail. I mean, that's almost end of the world and uh, right. nothing happens. But I, I don't I don't know anyone who these days, however, when they find the success is, um, is successful and uh, who didn't fail at some point in his life. And the failure right. is an uh, in- integrative part of it. It's just how you treat it. Is it um, like the end of the world? Or you say, okay, uh, things are bad. I learned this. Now I'm going to try that. So um, I like actually NFQ uh, abbreviation, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, that's yeah, it's it never fucking quit, right? So that's what you should kind of kind of do. I mean,
0: uh, and this is—I smiled. I think it was you that said that, or Thomas that said it. That that translation of those initials is actually super important, right? And and again, to be clear, it doesn't mean keep doing the same thing over and over again. It just means keep yeah. going and keep learning. Yeah,
1: exactly keep going yeah I, I guess uh, learning is also something which I value throughout my life because yeah. uh I think if you if, if you know something if you're passionately or generally interesting is something it's just a positive thing around it so uh again a couple of fail experiments uh, which we're running right now in true profile awesome people will just stop right so they try something they stop and then I'm, I'm just trying to look look at them and uh for a couple of occasions I try to push them say guys you try it once you let's say send the email blast you fail and nothing happens right let's do more like right? and then I'm, I'm trying to kind of push them to encourage them i know again it's it, in my own view it's it's mostly about uh does people come from either a region or a country that's number one number two is uh they of course can change if they are in an organization which right. encourage you to fail and um, if you train yourself, if you have that mindset, if you embrace that mindset of a constant change or being able to fail, um, good things happen, right?
0: Um, do you have, and you can say no to this, right? But do you have any examples of like a crazy idea that someone came to you with and just said, look, I think if we do this, this thing is gonna work. And you were like, that's insane, but why not try it? And then it did and you were like, okay, <laughs> keep going. Do you know what I mean?
1: Um, actually, uh, it was a $10 million idea and it failed miserably. Oh, because, tell me, come uh, on. That, That's the reason why I came to Dubai, actually. We wanted to, um, and it was, of course, one of the crypto projects. But look, it happened 2017, right? 18, 19, whatever. It it happened throughout these years. And uh, we were so happy. We were building actually a crypto token, utility token, um, based on uh, you can buy, let's say, a property or uh, pay a hotel stay or use it uh, for some sort of uh, e-commerce purchases. And uh, we literally delivered the product. Uh, we had a huge amount of the team members working on it from various uh, continents. Awesome, right? So I um, landed here in Dubai after after that COVID started. Anyway, product was being killed, whatnot. But you know, all the time when people say this is an amazing idea, this is gonna work. Uh, you also try try at some point con- to convince yourself, yes, this is going to work. And we did everything by the book, right? We went out there. We did, we did a product discovery. We engaged a super amazing team from London. They did a, a beautiful design. We said, They said, don't mention blockchain. It's going to confuse people. We <laughs> said, we will not. We'll work fine, right? And then at some point, uh, we just got there. We, we were paying like uh, uh, $25,000 for Microsoft Cloud Services, which we're not even using. And, uh, wow. To be honest, um, it was a big fail, right? And I, I'm 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 glad that this this happened because um, it just, uh, again, taught me a lot. And I guess it just set me up for being here again because um, luckily I didn't spend my own money. <laughs> it wasn't but, $10 million
0: of your money, but it was still $10 yeah, million. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead.
1: But it's still $10, $10 million of a fail, failed idea. So I don't know, sometimes it's it's good to engage yourself as well in in, in things like that because um, I don't know anyone, again, in product world, who was able to succeed um, uh, from first, and uh, they just launched a product, and usually uh, second-time founders or uh, third-time founders or someone who um, had the chance to try things a lot before, would be successful. And you know this uh, stat uh, that probably uh, the most successful founders are the ones in their mid 40s. They already have a life behind them. Yep. They're super skilled in the um, uh, work and life, so it's it's a r- right time to to do it.
0: It's so weird. Like, I feel so comfortable at my age knowing that there's so much stuff out there that I don't know. Like, everything looks clear to me. It doesn't mean that I know more. I'm just like, oh, I don't know that at all. And I'm comfortable admitting it because, you know what I mean? Because I've been through all these things. And when I was 25, I knew everything. And I mean everything. (laughs) Better better than (laughs) you. You know what I mean, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah well that, that's also one of the things i, I don't know i mean uh, when you are pretty young you you're asking yourself what what's there still to learn i think i already know a lot i mean i, I was so fucking stupid at that time honestly
0: I mean, it's, um, it, well, it's so true i mean when you're team building though right because it's so hard like i don't know how it works today but i remember when i was interviewing people to work on the team where i was like just trying to find the right methodology for figuring out if they would fit in if they had the right mindset and all that stuff or do you iterate that as well
1: it's still hard i, I mean i I need to say uh, that people haven't changed a lot and you can see that throughout the COVID uh, throughout um, uh, whatever is happening these days in the world. Um, I think that, um, I don't know, it's, it's, and I always have this funny saying right about, uh, you, you never know how to find the perfect fit yeah. um, in the person who is going to be on your team. So let's say you just need a one position, let's say a product marketing manager, you never know you're going to find a good one or either let's say a tech lead who will help you to do that. And the funny thing is what we had in in one of my previous companies is that, let's say we're going to hire a person and uh, that person just uh, didn't kind of, uh, he or she isn't the right fit, right? And then eventually you will say what to do. And then you might say, let's hire him. But then the management of the company might say, uh, well, he's just a half a year in the company. He doesn't still know everything. Let's just give him more time, right? Right, right. Then year will pass by, year will pass by and listen to this. Then they ask again what do you think about Michael for example we said he, he sucks. still sucks right <laughs> he, he 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 sucks really i mean probably it's not his his thing whatever and then they will say, but yeah, the Michael is already one year in the team. I mean, we should keep him, right? And then you kind of start living <laughs> li- living with a lot of people uh, around you, it which suck. kind of cannot contribute to 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 what eventually you want to do. During hiring, I really look dry for the people who understand product rather than, and of course, uh, I'm trying to hire people uh, according to similar values, which myself and team are having. Right. But uh, again, having all of these uh, breakthroughs, chat GPT, AI, uh, even a blockchain as a technology, all new things, right? Technology is moving super fast. But again, coming back to human psychology and, and us as humans, we are not do, doing that, right? So I'm not still not sure why, because um, I, that's, that's, that's what struck me most, to be honest. We, we still want to get in wars. We're fighting about some um, ideals. We're fighting about uh, whatever, right? which in today's world, I think it's so passe. I mean, there there's, again, so stuff to learn and other lot of things to be explored.
0: I agree completely. Do you think the way that companies deal with data, data infrastructure, particularly around growth, right? Because it's got to be based on stuff you've already known. Look, we did a ton of backtesting of market activity when I was sitting on a trading desk, right? And the more data we had, the, the better decisions we thought we could make. But then it kind of felt like everybody needed to be a mathematician an algorithmist and a, and a data scientist to be able to do the job do you see the same thing happening with what you're doing as well
1: exactly the same because uh, people when, when they are adding analytics on their products they usually add everything right. and uh, what they ended up is having a noise of the events uh, which they could not track right. which then of course you cannot get a meaningful uh, outcome or the meaningful data out of it so um, Again, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to get a common sense, start small, right? Uh, at least put the metrics on, let the people start to use your product, then try to make sense out of it, and then try to add a lot of stuff later on, not right away from the beginning. And there is actually no mathematicians or even data scientists who will do the work for you. So what we're trying to do in my teams is right. that we want to we select a tool for you or for everyone, for every stakeholder in the organization who can just have a one link, and they can open up a website and they can see everything, uh, whatever they're interesting into. So we usually have, a, let's say amplitude, or maybe Google data studio, whatever people use these days. And you go there and depends on the, let's say marketing campaigns, depends on the, uh, North star metrics, which you probably might have there. We have a charts, we have a dashboards and, uh, that's how we communicate to each other. And, um, the one of the, the examples which I gave from my previous organizations was uh, new management coming in and uh, telling us what to do, right? But right. because they were thinking that's the right way to do, and I, I, that, that's such a very simple thing. But uh, when you show them the data, say, hey, this this does work, don't change it. They will back off. Of course, they they don't have a, any uh, chance to change it, or or they, it's not in their intention to push you, right? Because they also think in, initially that something might work better than than what what they find out. It's kind of also the nature of a new management is coming in right i want to change everything right,
0: right. <laughs> look this has been a great conversation and before i let you go i want to ask you one more thing for you wh- where are you based now are you based in dubai
1: yeah i'm living in dubai for three years now okay we love it as a family to be honest oh, it's so a we're planning to stay to a bit yeah. a bit longer yeah we love it so much honestly and it's such a convenient place to be there
0: well that was the thing i was going to say is it's so close to asia right so like if you were still in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, it doesn't really matter. It's far away. But in Dubai, you're super close. But still, leaving home, mm-hmm. going away for work for like a week or two weeks. What was, the, what was the idea for you and the team of coming to a bespoke event, which I frankly consider one of the best, if not the best tech events? And, and, and I don't just say that lightly. Um, I posted about it actually today. Like the NFQ Summit. What's the big benefit mm-hmm. to you guys as a team?
1: I also said that uh, during the conference and um, for me personally for the team uh, one of the biggest thing is networking Um, and uh, second biggest thing is of course learning from other teams like us fair enough because the the business track was pretty uh, meaningful uh, and it was along the lines of the growth hacking which uh, which was the speech which i gave over there so honestly uh, just a super positive thing and uh, i think being in dubai as a strategic location uh, you have a five hours left and right and you can go to europe if you want for five hours or you yeah. can go far east in five in, in in five hours and um nfq summit is 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 the place to be so um, and i'm this is i mean how we met so i hope uh, i'm gonna come next year as
0: well i hope i'm gonna get invited back as well i'm not 100 sure <laughs> what large things but let's find out anyway yeah, Esmar, this, find was, out. this was awesome Esmar message the head of product at TrueProfile.io. That was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this today.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thanks for the chance to speak with you, buddy. Have a nice one and speak to you soon.